day it is to be alive. I do pray. As Brother Jenkins mentioned, I do put at the top of the prayer list our nation, our country. Lord, there's uh, millions of people that have voted. They already know which way that they want this country to go. But Lord, right now, there are people going to wake up early in the morning and they're going to go to the polls. There's going to be voices along the way that's going to try to sway them to a liberalism that our country just does not need. God, I ask, as you did in the Old Testament, would you guide? You're very much interested in what happens with the nation. And Lord, we just need you. And I do pray for our dear president as he makes those final stops. And then tomorrow, would you give him rest tonight? Would you give him rest tomorrow? And God, help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go to John chapter 15. To understand John chapter 15, if you'll back up to John chapter 13. Something wonderful is about to happen toward the end. Jesus comes in John chapter 13 and verse number 1. And he says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Jesus always knew that this time was coming, but the disciples no doubt had fallen into a lull because sometimes they really didn't understand what, the Christ was, what Christ was trying to say. But now Jesus said, guys, I need to let you know I'm, I'm going away. So I'm going to be leaving you. And uh, we've walked together. You and I have been together. We've been when we needed to pay taxes. And we got the money out of the fish's mouth. We, we've been there when people have been hungry. And you guys doubted I could, I could pull this one off. And we fed 5,000. Uh, we've all been there. Uh, you were there when I went to the cemetery and called Lazarus and told him to come out of that tomb. I have been your sustainer for these years. i got to go away. Because if I don't go away, then we come to chapter 14. So chapter 13 he tells them, "Going to go. I am going away." And then we come to chapter fourteen. After Peter declares that he would never deny, and you know, Peter, Peter, Peter said, I, "I would lay down." Chapter fourteen, he says, "Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. I go in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come." Again, I love that right there. And yes, he is coming again. And uh, can I just echo what he said? What, 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 it is not in the nature of God to leave his children in a flood. And it's not the, in the nature of God to leave his children in Sodom and Gomorrah. It is not in the nature of a father to let his children go through anything that would harm them. We would not have a good heavenly father. So that's just another proof thought. All right, and uh, so then he says in verse number 15, he says, now we talk about the comforter. So he says in verse number 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. So see what he's saying. He's saying, I am going away. We've been together physically, no longer. You've laid your head on my chest, no longer. I am going away, but I make you this promise. I'm gonna come back and get you, but the time I am away, I am going to give you a comforter. Now that's paraclete, which means one of the same. Can, can you understand this about the Trinity? And some people think that there's God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. God the Holy Ghost is not the third lesser of the Trinity. God the Holy Ghost is God. And so he said, I'm going to give you God. And that's who's living on the inside of you. Right. And for you and I to think that we've just got this little, little invisible thing that's lit. No, no, no. You've got God. The, the same God that was at the beginning of creation. The same God that made man. That's God. That's, that, that's what's living on the inside of us. So he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave and I, I wanna, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. But then we get to John 15. And in John 15, he says this. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. I want you to walk with me because I'm going to ask you to read some things, okay? Every branch, what's the next two words, please? In me. me. That beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. First three words, please. Abide in me, and next three words, I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it, what please, abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that, what, abideth in me, and what, I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Look at verse 6, ready? Say it, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7, read it. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Jesus is going away. This physical relationship that they had shared, he says, guys, listen to me. We can still have that strong of a relationship. You see, everybody today is looking for something from church. You know what they're looking for? I, I want to know. I, I want to I see God. I want to see God. Everybody wants to see the Lord. Everybody wants to be close to the Lord. They want that fuzzy, wuzzy feeling on the inside, and they want to be close to the Lord. Always remember this. Whenever a church is an imposter about the presence of God, they've got to cover it up with a lot of programs. Right. Yeah. Do you know what COVID taught us? You can do without the lights, but you can't do without God. And you're going to find out that here Jesus said that, He said, listen to me, I'm going to be betrayed and arrested and crucified, the resurrection, the ascension. Then I'm going. But you need to know this. We can still be close. And the way we have this closeness is because you and I are going to abide with each other. This is the only way that we're going to be close. We are going to be close not because of your memories. We're going to be close because we're abiding. Well, we're not going to be close because you will go and flip through. No, no, no. We're going to be close because we're going to be abiding. Over six times, he tells us here, he says, look, You and I must abide together. At some point, Jesus needs to become your forever home. That's right. Yes, sir. Do you know what the average believer and why they roam? It's because they haven't arrived at their forever home. 
And this is why people are looking for something that doesn't exist outside of Jesus. It only exists inside of Jesus. Sometimes young couples will come and they'll say, Hey, Pastor, um, we're, get, we're getting ready to buy this house. And it's like, okay, is this your forever home? And invariably they'll say, no. No, 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 this is just a starter home. And you know what I think people are doing to Jesus? They just stay with Jesus until the shingles fall off and until the roof leaks. And they're like, well, man, there's got to be something better. And the reason that people don't stay in church and the last family name doesn't stay in church for generations is because we hadn't arrived to this point yet. And that is this. Jesus Christ is my forever God. And he told them this. He said, guys, I'm going away. And when I go away, you and I can still be close. Because if you will do this, if you will abide. Now, there's a reason why he made a declarative statement in John chapter 15, verse 1. He said, I am the vine. It's a whole nother sermon, a whole nother topic. But he did not say the Holy Ghost is the vine. So now we're going to take the Godhead and we're going to parse it out. Because understand this. That the Holy Spirit's job as God living on the inside of you is to remind you about Jesus Christ, God, so that you can walk like Jesus Christ and you can talk like Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost's job on the inside is to make you more like Christ. My doctor asked me the other day, said, hey, pastor, how do I know? How do I know I'm in the right kind of church? And I said, oh, that's easy. A church will lift up Jesus Amen. and back it up with Scripture. And any time that somebody starts talking about Jesus and they can't back it up with Scripture, that's not the kind of church you need to be in. Here's, here's the sermon title for tonight. Abiding is the key to thriving. Most Christians don't thrive in their Christian life. Most Christians have not broken through to, to this side of the Christian life. And I am telling you that there is a level of Christianity that every Christian needs to get to. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what gender you are. Everybody. If you're a believer and you've got the Holy Ghost sealing you until the day of redemption, then how come we're waiting to eternity to act happy? And why are we waiting to eternity to be joyous? Why are we even waiting? And the average church member and the average believer, you can't tell the difference between them and the rest of a lost world because they're not close with Jesus Christ. It is amazing to me that we're going to look at John chapter 15 and verse number 7, and I'm going to read it like we live it. I'm not going to read it like it's written. Are you ready? Here we go. John chapter 15 and verse number 7. Are you there? If ye abide in my words, and my words abide in you. Is that what it said? No. Mm-mm. It's not what it says. What does it say? If ye abide in How many kids right now sat in Sunday school and if you ask them, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. 
If you ask them, can you tell me the Romans road, please? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is that. How many Bible-quoting believers no longer darken the doors of the church? And here's why. Because we told them, read your Bible every day. And they did. On their way out the back door. Every pastor's on trial every time he gets up. Here's why. Because God forbid if he would ever choose a familiar text passage to preach from. Because at that moment, the average believer reaches up and just turns them off. If I said, hey, let's go to Malachi. Oh, here we go again. We're going to talk about tithing. Hey, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, there we go. You women are going to get it today. That's when the men get happy. I'm I'm, I'm not going to be long tonight, but I'm going to tell you, there is a separation with those who are happy Christians and joyous Christians, and their Christian life is thriving, and they are squeezing everything out of church they can get, and they're squeezing everything out of God they can get, and they are like a sponge, and they are just soaking it up, and there's a difference between those kind of believers and the believers who can quote the book. And this is why. We do not approach the book to find him. We don't come to the book to find him. We, we go to the book to complete an obligation. I'm all for schedule to read your Bible. But a schedule is just where to return to after you've seen Him and you've gotten lost in the Word. I wrote this down a long time ago. It's not the amount of the Word you read, but the amount of Jesus you see. What good is it, my friend, for you to read your Word every day? And I know it's quick, and I know it's powerful, and I know that just by reading it, it will do wonders in your life. But then how come there's not a thriving in a believer's life? How come there's not a joy in a believer's life? How come there's not a wow about life? How come church has become mundane? And church has got to be more about lights and cameras and smoke. And whatever happened to just give me the word. Give me some songs about God. I don't care what else is going on. Hey, did you have to break ranks during COVID? Let me tell you something. I got We started preaching online just because of the mandates. And it was like for six weeks, six weeks, six weeks, six weeks. I'm preaching in the camera. I found out a couple things about preaching online. One, I don't have to worry about what I say because I can't see their response right away. I don't know if they're mad. True? Number two, it was the best six weeks of my life after church. Because I could walk from the pulpit, pick up my woman, go to my truck, get in my truck, and go home. And nobody said, the nursery did this, and the parking lot did this, and somebody took my name, and nah, 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 nah. and can you take care of this, and can you take care of this? And I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, can I take care of that? And I can get, oh no, when I'm done, I don't care what they think. I don't even know if they're listening, and I don't really care, and I just go to the truck and go home. We had two cameras, and, and, and they would raise their hand, and 
And then they would go this, and I would learn to switch. I found myself being a professional at the switching back and forth. I got cranked up about sin, and I kept switching this way. And I kept, finally, I figured it out. Them boys didn't want me looking at them while I was preaching. No, go to that camera over there. No, go to that camera over there. Next thing I found out is these church members ain't getting dressed up for church. I told them, send me a selfie. I want proof you're watching me. Oh, but they would go take pictures. They were in the recliners. They had their tea on the side. One guy had a bowl of popcorn. I'm thinking to myself, what is this, Friday night, the movies? Hey, I shut down live stream last Wednesday night. It was the biggest attendance service we've ever had. Why'd you do that? I just want to see who could show up. Hi, y'all are alive. Praise God. But I want you to know that this word is not a textbook. And as long as we approach, the average believer approaches the book this way. And here's what we think. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, no, you're not. And oh, no, I'm not. He said, he abided me. Me. But don't, don't, don't. You say, you, you say, Brother Bob. Come on. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm serious. Because there's a lot of people out there in the world right now that should be in church. And the only reason they're not in church is someplace there was this disconnect that they didn't see Jesus. And by the way, go to John, if you will, and go to John chapter 5. Jesus had the same problem. Listen to this. Jesus had the same problem. He had a group of Pharisees that knew the Scriptures. And boy, they were analyzing the Scriptures. And do you know what He says? Look what he says here in John 5, 37. Look at it. And the Father Himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. And ye have neither heard His voice at any time. Are you there? John 5, 37. Nor seen His shape. And ye have not His word abiding in you. Why? For whom He has sent Him. Ye believe not. He said the word's on this side. I'm on this side. And there's such a disconnect. And then look what he says in verse 39. Yes, sir. I'm not mad at you. I'm just upset at Christianity right now because we just look at the Word as something we pick up and put down and memorize and we think this is going to be okay. Look what it says in John 5, 39. Search the Scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they. Yes, sir. Which testify of me. That's good. When the Word starts teaching you the nature of God, yes, sir. you'll never be the same. Yes, sir. You got that right. Listen to this. You'll never be the same. Yes, sir. When you start approaching this book going, God, I have 
to seek you. Ladies and gentlemen, how many times have we read our Bible through? How many times have we gone to Genesis or Revelation and, and we know this time of the year I should be here? But when have you been so enraptured by the nature of God when you've read it that you have walked away going, oh my soul. What in the world yes, sir. did I just stumble upon? Uh -huh. Oh, but we know the word. I could start it. You could finish it. But what verse right now, what scripture right now have you read that it right now has tore you up or it's yes, put sir. you into a corner and you can't get it out of your mind? Do you know why we have no prayer time? We don't see Him in the Word. Do you know why we have no meditation time? We have nothing to meditate on because we've not seen Him in the Word. This Word, when you abide in Him, when you're looking for Him, then what He said starts going down into you. And then there is this closeness that you don't have to have the pre-service to pump you up. The average song leading service is nothing more than to, I'm just gonna, I, I gotta get y'all out of the world's mentality, and we gotta, and then all of a sudden what started happening is Baptist churches started going down. Although we had the word, it started going down like this, and then these churches out here were feeding the fleshly side because after all, this is boring, church is boring, and why do I even need to come? Let me tell you why we need to come because this book talks about Him. You take every member, if you'll spend Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday looking for him in the book, I'm telling you, you'll come to church with a different attitude. I'll go to church with a different attitude because it's like, I just want to know about him. Amen. He said, search the scriptures. For in them, ye think that's eternal life. Can I tell you something? This book is dead to people who do not know the Lord. But this book's alive. Yes, sir. Hold it. But only to those who want to see Him. Isn't it not sad that now the preacher's on trial with everything that he says? Y'all, listen to this. We have to start having personal time with the Word and start looking for Him. Amen. Because when you look for Him, I was, we were in college chapel at the beginning of the year. And I was like, come on, y'all. Verses are about Christ. Don't, don't quote me a passionless verse. What verse? What verse means something to you? We started reading verses that meant something. And this girl raised her hand. I said, what verse? And she opened that verse. And she started reading 
God is my refuge. Wow. A strong tower. And as we sat there, all of a sudden, I say, anybody else got a verse? We are full of church members who say this. I know the book. I could quote the book. But do you know him? Because a verse you needed when you were 21 is not a verse I need when I'm 53. I need God. And I'll tell you what I need. I need to be able to open the book. I need to be able to see him. Because I got some big things going on in my life. But hey, so do you. Right. So do you. And we need to live life like this. I just want to see Jesus. Amen. Put away your daily bread. Put away all those commentaries. Stop approaching it intellectually. Yes, sir. And approach it and just say this. I want to see him. I want to see him. And what you're going to find out is when you start abiding in him, four things become very apparent. They're right here in the text. Four things will begin to happen. And I've got to be done. Look at the four things. That, look at John 15 too. You know, you say, how do I know if it's working in my life? Listen to this. The things I'm going to give you, you can't fake. You ain't going to fake it. Look at the very first thing. He says there, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Hold it. That's not losing your eternal security. Look at this because you're a branch. And every branch that what? Beareth fruit, he does what? All of a sudden, listen to this. When you start abiding in Christ, and all of a sudden you find out the nature of Christ, and you're looking for God's mind and God's heart and God's nature, and you say, God, I, I want to see you in the text, then all of a sudden you're going to find out his loves, and you're going to find out, and I, and I hate it when preacher, people approach and say, Show me in black and white. No. Let me tell you something. Where I cannot show you in black and white, where it says not to smoke, I can show you the heart of God on the matter. But people don't want to hear the heart of God. Oh, God forbid if we'd ever go to emotions. You listen to this. When you start abiding in Christ, here's what's going to happen. It's going to be a, I, I can't do that. I, I can't do that. Want to know why? Because I love Him. And when you do that, you will cry like a baby. What verses are just so popping you that it constrains you? It doesn't say, for the Word of God constrains me. It says, for the love of Christ constrains me. Where is the arresting of the Christian and their behavior? Where does it come from? where you can walk away from the black and white of it, you can't walk away from the nature of God. And when God's alive and you're abiding, then all of a sudden it's like, I, I, I can't do this. Boy, girl, 
Boy notices girl. Girl notices boy. Girl comes to the conclusion he's mine before boy ever comes to this conclusion. She's focused. He's like, girl, there's other girls. But he keeps coming back to girl. Let me tell you something. She's just a name. It's just an address. Until he makes that fatal mistake that has taken many a good man down a bad path to marriage. And you know what it is? He stops to get to know her. And then girl is like, oh, somebody asked us at the singles retreat, um, when did you know you loved Miss Kelly? I said, when she told me. And then all of a sudden, but, but here's what happens. All of a sudden, when you start learning somebody and you start falling in love with somebody, you start purging right. exactly. all the other girls. Right. Yeah. Like all of them have to go. Right, exactly. Like it's kind of in keeping with one man for one woman for one lifetime. Right, exactly. I don't think on the way out the door after we got married 34 years ago, I don't think it would have gone well in our marriage if on my way out of it. Now, I'll see you Tuesday, babe. Hey, honey, I'll, I'll be tied up for a week and a half. Would you call me? Yeah. Like, like, did that go well? Oh, no, that wouldn't go well. I'm going to step over here as I give this illustration. <laughs> there is something about, oh, by the way, hold it. When you got those love letters, it wasn't just words. When we were trying to get past being friends, we were great friends, known each other since second, third grade. Our dads were at Hiles Anderson. We went to Hammond Baptist, second, third grade. They moved down to where my dad was pastoring. We ended up in Texas. So we've known each other. Like, like, like I, I helped her with her love life with all these other guys. And it's just like, oh, whatever. And then she helped me with mine. And finally, we, under, we understood there's no, everybody else's idiots out here. How about we just want to get, get married? Okay. And, uh, and, and when this started happening, I, 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 I wrote her a note that said, don't be a stranger. And just a little note, and I, and I stuck it on her gremlin. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? Yes, that's funny. Some of you people going, what's a gremlin? Think about it, gremlin. No, no, it's an alien from some other car dealership on some other planet. But she had one. She took that note in, and she was like, Mom, Mom, what does this mean? What did your mom tell you? Come on, it's okay. Speak up. He, he wants to see you more. And then your response was, come on, come on. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, because when I wrote, don't be a stranger. <laughs> Do you think that those are just words? Or do you think it was... <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the other day, the kids were over at the house. And all of a sudden, Jordan starts reading words like this. My dearest love, I love you. You're the sweetest thing ever. I can't wait for you. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going... 
Man, I know those words. Man, those words sound familiar. And then the more Jordan kept reading, the more he got very Romeo-ish, and he just started putting passion with it. And he started, oh, I love you. What time do you get off? I've been thinking about you all day, and I saw this color. And, I, and I'm thinking, those are my words! He had gotten into that trunk, and he had gotten out. You know what makes me mad about writing them? Because you kept them. That's what makes me mad. <laughs> hey, but it, y'all old timers dating, you remember this? You didn't have a cell phone. Come on now. Yeah. You know why most relationships get ruined? Because they say everything over a text and they think adding a little emoji is going to be.